up? Welcome back to the GOAT Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and it's just me flying solo today on Saturday, May the 13th. I wanted to post this final episode to finish off the two divisions that we have not gotten to yet. That's the NFC East and the AFC North. We are going to start with the NFC East, and that means we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, what we're going to be talking about today, instead of playing Love It or Leave It, um, I'm, I reserve that for Monica, so I'm going to do Perfect Pick or Panic Pick. I'm not going to give a whole lot of information as to why I think it is on each player. Certainly, after, you know, round five for some of these, I... I won't always have every piece of information and knowledge, you know. I I don't get to do this as a full-time job, and so this is just kind of a... uh, Some of these picks have to be shot from the hip because I don't get to spend all day scouting them. And so we're going to begin with the Dallas Cowboys here. The Dallas Cowboys had a pick in every round of the draft, and they, they basically sat put. You know, they really didn't move around a whole lot. Uh, They did make one trade, it looks like, up into round six at pick one. But they started off the draft with Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle out of Michigan. I think that's a perfect pick. Uh, The reports are that Micah Parsons is going to be a defensive lineman from now on. That's his only role and responsibility. He won't play edge anymore. You have Mozzie Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, and Micah Parsons. You cannot block all three of them. That's a perfect pick. Luke Schoonmaker, or Schoonamaker, uh, tied in out of Michigan. This is a panic pick. This was round two, pick number 58. It's a panic pick because they drafted two tight ends last year. They had Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson. Both played very well, but Dalton Schultz was there too. He leaves in free agency, and they just completely overreacted to that news and draft Luke Schoonamaker. I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. Darnell Washington was available. Darnell Washington's available. And I, I to this day, maybe we'll find out when the season starts why he fell as far as he did, but I don't like the Luke Schoonemaker pick. However, they redeemed themselves with the next two picks because I think they're both perfect picks. And pick pick number 90, DeMar, De, ah, DeMarvian Overshone, was a linebacker out of Texas. With Micah Parsons moving into the edge to the defensive line, from edge to defensive line, The argument could be made they're either going to a complete 4-3 or a 3-4. If they're going to a 3-4, DeMarvian Overshone and Damon Clark could just take over next year. Leighton Vander Esch got another contract. He got to re-sign. All things considered, you know, there's, there's information there to be thinking about that would say that maybe Overshone won't play much this year. Damon Clark had a good season last year, showed some promise, I could see him getting more playing time this season and then Overshone getting more more and more time next year. And then they come back again in round four and take Vilaimi Fehoko Jr., a defensive end out of San Jose State. I liked that pick a lot. Again, you know, you're trying to build up your defensive line. You're trying to make it better. Your defense is one of the biggest reasons why you're losing some of the games that you're losing. It's also one of the biggest reasons that you're winning. So continue to make sure that it's you know, given top priority. And, you know, the first five picks they made, three were defensive. That tells you where the Dallas Cowboys' mindset is and where Jerry Jones' mind is. 
Round number five, they take Asim Richards, an offensive tackle out of North Carolina. I don't know much about Asim, and so I can't really speak too much about him or the next pick, Eric Scott Jr. I do know they traded up for Eric Scott Jr., the cornerback out of Southern Mississippi. I'll say that it's they're, they're perfect picks just based off of what I know about them because they're positions of need. Maybe the Eric Scott pick is not as much of a position of need. They seem to have cornerbacks growing out of their ears, but perhaps they needed a special teamer and they liked what he could provide there. I love their next pick. Uh, incredible value at 212. This is an undersized running back out of Kansas State. His name is Deuce Vaughn. I would not be surprised in the slightest to see Deuce Vaughn be a player that ends up carving out a very big role in the Dallas Cowboys offense. The next pick, though, I think was a, a perfect pick if he if he hits. You know, it's a panic pick if he doesn't. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go that far. I think Jalen Brooks was a dart at the board. Let's see what we've got, and we can go from there. So, I just realized as we started this that I should have started with the Washington Commanders. So let's go to them now. The Washington Commanders also had a pick in every draft, and they kind of stayed put too. They took one player that they traded up to get, and I liked that trade. But in round one, pick 16, they took Emmanuel Forbes. I had been hearing rumblings of that, but I wasn't entirely sure that it was going to happen or not. And so I do remember mocking Emmanuel Forbes into the first round. I was very pleased to see that he ended up in a defense that is as stellar as the commander's defense is. That ball hawk is something that they desperately need. Dartavius Martin. I've heard some reports that he might play safety. Uh, Dartavius Martin and and allow you know Cameron Curl to kind of be the free safety that he needs to be. So it seems odd taking two cornerbacks back to back, but I'm going to say they're both perfect picks because it looks like Martin will not be playing corner. He'll be playing safety. Ricky Stromberg, a center out of Arkansas in round three. Um, both the next two picks, really the next three picks, I say I'm going to say are perfect picks. Ricky Stromberg, center out of Arkansas. Braden Daniels, a guard out of Utah. And K.J. Henry, an edge player out of Clemson, who they traded up to get. Uh, you know, they, they traded up to get K.J. Henry, the edge out of Clemson. All three of those picks, I thought, were needed position upgrades and needed position depth. The next pick and round six was a little puzzling to me. I don't know why they continue to draft a running back every year. Chris Rodriguez Jr., running back out of Kentucky, uh, they have, you know, Antonio Gibson, who has fallen out of favor, it looks like, with the commander's front office, but they also drafted last year Brian Robinson. He played very well. I don't know why they're taking Chris Rodriguez Jr. Maybe there's something they see on special teams or, or something else that we don't. Um, You know, he did have a school record 20 career games with 100 rushing yards, but I just don't, I don't know what the role will be for him in that commander's offense. And then they closed out their draft with Andre Jones Jr. Um, I don't know much about Andre Jones Jr., and so I'll just say that it's another one of those darts at the board. I think you do get past a certain point. I hope you all realize this. You get to a point in the draft, a bunch of people talk about it, where there's nothing else you can do. You know, you hit or miss, and most of the time you miss. Um, I've heard of a former general manager who said that they loved to have, 
you know, six-round selections because if you could hit on one of those picks, you had a, you know, successful draft. But it's not a guarantee that you're going to hit on those picks. Moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles made a splash in getting not one, not two, but three Georgia players in this year's draft. After selecting two last year, they come back again and select two more defenders from Georgia in the first round and another in the fourth, uh, of which they traded up to get. In round one, pick number nine, they trade up with the Chicago Bears, who had that pick from the Panthers, to select Jalen Carter. I'm torn on this because I want to say that it's a perfect pick. I want to say that. But I struggle with believing that Jalen Carter is going to completely fall in line in most scenarios. All that being said, if there was one place that I think he can thrive, it would be Philadelphia. So I'm going to lowercase perfect pick this and say that if he'll get his head on straight and he'll put in the work that is required of him, it will be a perfect pick, and it will be a pick that we look back on and go, how did we let the Eagles do this to us? But right now, I'm very concerned about the character of Jalen Carter. In round one, they had another selection at pick number 30, and some people thought that they should have taken this guy at pick number 10. It's Nolan Smith, the edge player out of Georgia. What you what you heard all offseason from both the mainstream media and us here at the GOAT Network is the Eagles lost a ton of pass rush ability in free agency. They lost Javon Hargrave. They lost several players of, you know, one of the most historic defensive runs we've ever seen with 70-plus sacks in one season. So how do you replace that? No one thought Nolan Smith would be available at 30. No one really thought that Jalen Carter would be there at 9. They get both of those guys to add to their team, and I think it's just going to be one of those, you know, a year from now we're going to look at this team and go, who do you defend? Who do you stop? How do you stop somebody? It's a perfect pick. Both of them were. Um, One more emphatically in my mind than the other. They didn't have a third or a second round pick, uh, but, you know, to me, that's like complaining about having three first round picks and you don't pick again until round four. You've made three, you know, picks like you would have if you had a round one, two, and three, but you actually got better talent and you got better value as at least the goal. So they didn't pick again until round three, number 65 overall, and they took an offensive tackle, Tyler Steen, out of Alabama. I like this pick. I think it's a perfect pick again because what you're going to see the Eagles do in this draft is completely and utterly address their needs. They don't make any, you know, flashy picks, though they were blessed to be able to do that with Carter and Smith. Tyler Steen is not a pick that you would look at and go, oh man, Super Bowl bound, baby. But he could be a key contributor for them because they needed to get an offensive tackle. And Tyler Steen is a really good fit. And I believe he can play all over the line. They come back literally with the next pick, uh, pick number three, in a trade that they had with the Arizona Cardinals because of some tampering allegations. Uh, So they swapped third-round picks, and that means they get to pick back-to-back. So they took Tyler Steen at 65. They take Sidney Brown at 66. 
they lost Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think C.J. Cha- Chauncey Johnson-Gardner, maybe? I can't think of his name right now, sorry. Um, they lost that safety to the Lions. And what do the Eagles go out and do? But they get Sidney Brown, a, a thumper. I mean, a, a excellent pick for them and an excellent value in round three. You know, they've got to be thinking, wow, we're so glad that Arizona tampered because that's the only reason we got this player. They trade back up then in round four. Again, taking a pick that was normally, originally, Arizona's. Then it went to Houston. Then it went to Philly. And they selected Keely Ringo, cornerback out of Georgia. I don't know why we're letting them get away with this. Uh, Why other teams are just saying, yeah, sure, do whatever you want to do. But I think Keely Ringo is a very raw prospect. That's why he fell. Many people are not talking about that, but that's why he fell. That is going to go to Philadelphia where there's Darius Slay and the king of holding around the jersey, you know, James Bradbury. Keely can learn and develop. He can grow. And that's what you want him to do. I think that's a perfect pick for them. But I'll be honest, the next pick I think is more of a panic pick. Um... Tanner McKee, quarterback out of Stanford. I don't know that that is the right pick for them to make. I know they needed a backup quarterback, and so you can argue with me. You can email me at goat versus goat at gmail.com, G O A T V S G O T E at gmail.com. You can also check the show notes for that information. You can argue with me and saying, well, they needed a backup quarterback, and you know, it's round six. They're just throwing a dart at the board with Tanner McKee. And if he stays there and plays and has a Chase Daniel like career, then it's a great pick. And I would agree with you. But I just don't know that that was the pick they needed to make. I think they could have made a, you know, a, another pick of another, you know, type of value. Um they did add DeAndre Swift, you know, and that was part of why they didn't have a second round pick. They added DeAndre Swift. Excuse me for not, you know, clarifying that earlier. Um no, that's not what it was. No, just scratch that. That's not that's not what happened. They did trade for DeAndre Swift, but they they gave up like a seventh-round pick to do it. It wasn't anything massive. Um, anyways, I'm getting sidetracked, and I'm not focusing. I think they needed to add another running back, funny enough, even though they have you know DeAndre Swift now. They have Kenneth Gainwell. I feel like another running back would have been a good pick here, and Tanner McKee could have waited. You know, Maybe he wouldn't have been there in round seven, but I think they could have waited and just taken whoever was available. They closed it out with Moro Ojomo, defensive tackle out of Texas. And I think that's a perfect pick for them again because they're they're just trying to put bodies in front and make it work. And then they, there is the New York Giants. Uh, the New York Giants are also a team that I lowercase love 90% of what they did. And there's a couple of picks that I will say were spectacular picks and there's a couple of picks that I think were interesting let's work backwards to forwards on this one so starting in round seven at pick 254 they take Javarius Owens a safety out of Houston that's a dart it's a it's thrown at the board and they're hoping it sticks I can't make much comment on that Jordan Riley a defensive tackle out of Oregon I'm going to say the same thing then they take a cornerback out of Old Dominion Trey Hawkins the third um, I know they need cornerback help. 
And I know that they needed to focus on doing that. But I feel like they waited too long to address the need again. They addressed it in round one, and we'll get to that in a moment, and I don't like that pick. They should have, in some, I know this is crazy, they should have drafted a quarterback in this draft. A Tanner McKee here, a Jaron Hall here, you know, something along the lines, they should have taken a quarterback. Um, I, I don't like that they took another corner when they needed a quarter. Round five, they took Eric Gray, running back out of Oklahoma. They don't know what's going to happen with Saquon Barkley. Um, they were far apart the last I read. They did sign Dexter Lawrence shortly after the draft ended, but they're still very far apart with, with Saquon Barkley at the time of me recording this, and I would not be surprised in some respects if Saquon does not sign immediately that you're going to see Eric Gray get some opportunities. So I think that's a perfect pick for them. It's a low-risk, high-reward and then a capital P-E-R-F-E-C-T pick in Jalen Hyatt. How do you hide, you know, shaky quarterback play? How do you hide the flaws of, of, you know, a quarterback? You give him a wide receiver who can make, you know, something happen. And a speedy threat like Jalen Hyatt. And I'm not saying this is a dig at Hendon Hooker, so please understand that. But Jalen Hyatt is so fast. And when you have somebody like Hendon Hooker that's got the ability to just throw it deep, it's almost unfair. Well, with Daniel Jones, I don't know that you're going to see the deep bomb as much. But I think the quick slants, I think the out and in routes are going to be very much a place where Jalen Hyatt lives. And I think he's going to provide a value that they were not going to get ever from Kenny Galladay. And that Wandale Robinson may not be able to provide as far as his health is concerned. He gets hurt a lot. I love the Jalen Hyatt pick at round three, number 73 overall. I also love their next pick and think it's a perfect pick. John Michael Schmitz, a center out of Minnesota. They picked him in round two at pick number 57. And it's, it's another one of those situations where, boy, oh boy, you know, protect Daniel Jones and give him what he needs. They spent three straight picks on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that has to give Daniel Jones a vote of confidence. And to be consistent, it has to give him a vote of confidence that they spent all these draft capital, all this draft capital, and they did not take a quarterback. It is Daniel Jones' team for the foreseeable future. But I don't like what they did in round one because I feel like they had some needs. And I wonder in some ways if the Jaguars were intending to get a Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, or Jackson Smith and Jigba, and they literally, and Zay Flowers as well, they all basically went 20, 21, 22, and 23. Um, and so here you are at 24, and the Jaguars trade out with the Giants. And you're thinking, ooh, what are the Giants going to go do? What are they trading up to do? And they take cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland. I just don't know that that's worth the draft capital that they did give up. I don't know that that's worth trading up to get him. I think they could have gotten another corner. Akili Ringo would have even been there had they kept their fourth-round pick potentially and traded up for him. I, I don't know. Maybe Deontay Banks is going to prove me wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to low-key say that's a panic pick. That's the NFC East. Now, it's time for me to talk to you about the AFC North. 
we we need to start with um, the team I despise the most, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore had a pick in every round but two. Uh, they gave up their second-round pick in order to get Roquan Smith. So you have to think of it as that is part of their draft selection. You know, round one, they take Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. That's a panic pick. I Maybe Zay is going to be the exception to the rule, but Baltimore has been drafting wide receivers now for the last, like, four years, and none of them have worked out. And, yes, Rashad Bateman can say as much as he wants that that's because the organization doesn't know what they're doing and that, in all honesty, what no one's saying is Lamar's not a quarterback that's built for wide receivers. But I just don't know that Zay Flowers is going to fix this. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to be able to do with Zay that they weren't able to do with Devin Duvernay, that they weren't able to do with James Prochet. And other, I mean, you had some names come to your organization that were supposed to be decent picks, and they've done nothing. Technically, their round two selection was Roquan Smith. I'm going to say that Zay was a panic pick, and I'm going to say it was a perfect pick for them to trade the second-round pick and go get Roquan Smith. I, I don't hate that selection for them at all. They come back in round three, and they almost stomp on Patrick Queen's career, and they take a linebacker out of Clemson, Trenton Simpson, and it's a perfect pick. Um, really, the next four picks are perfect. They took Trenton Simpson. They took Tavius Robinson in round four, an edge out of Mississippi. I think that's a perfect pick because Baltimore always gets something out of their pass rush. They take Caillou Blue Kelly, a cornerback out of Stanford in round five, and Baltimore almost always seems to be developing corners out of nowhere, and so I wouldn't be surprised if you see Blue Kelly being a name that is talked about. And then they take, at round number six, pick 199, Mala Isala Omva Laulu. I hope that is right. I am sorry, M-A-L, uh, if that is wrong. Uh, but they take Mal, uh, offensive tackle out of Oregon. It, that's more of a dart at the board, but I think it's a, a perfect pick for them. And their last pick is so perfect it makes me mad because I was hoping this player would fall until the Steelers were back on the clock around the 240 range. It didn't happen. Andrew Voorhees, a guard out of USC, and he would have been probably a, a first three-round selection if it weren't for the fact that he blew his ACL during the combine. And the Ravens have the ability now to just kind of sit there and let him do his thing. And, I, you know, it's a perfect pick. The Cincinnati Bengals surprised me. Um, a lot in this draft, actually, because I didn't expect their first three picks to be defensive. And I didn't expect their next three pick to be offensive. But I love what they've done with their first three rounds. They're all perfect picks, in my opinion. Miles Murphy and Edge out of Clemson. Steelers take Broderick Jones to try to protect Kenny Pickett. How do you defend against that? The Browns have a great offensive line. How do you defend against that? The Ravens have historically had a decent offensive line in the last several years. How do you defend against that? Well, you add pieces that can get past the offensive line, and Miles Murphy is a perfect pick for that. DJ Turner the second, a cornerback out of Michigan, another perfect pick for them because their corner room is shrinking. Eli Apple got toasted in the Super Bowl um, and was turned into apple pie, and they really need to get rid of him. 
you know, and, and get rid of that style of play. They need to be moving off of that. And honestly, Mike Hilton, too, is not really being as effective as he was when he was first signed away from the Steelers. Some of the mindsets that I think we see in the draft are we're preparing for the future as well as the intermediate. Uh, the, as well as the immediate future, we're, we're also preparing for what's down the road. I think that's what DJ Turner is. He might contribute this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he sits and starts playing next year. Jordan Battle is safety out of Alabama. This was a pick they actually got from Kansas City, and it was a perfect pick. I was so um I was so disheartened when I saw this because we were not far away from that and I thought thought there was a chance Jordan Battle might have been our selection and if I heard correctly it was either Jordan Battle or Brian Branch. One of them said their dream was to play for the Steelers. Well, if it was Battle, well, you know, you're going to play against us at least for 4 years, maybe you can sign with us then. Jordan Battle's a perfect pick. But I don't know what they did with their next pick. And I don't know what the motivation is behind this because they take Charlie Jones, a wide receiver out of Purdue. Um, I think that's a panic pick. I know their wide receiver room isn't needing to be adding, you know, a bunch more players, but they they do anyway. They added two receivers in this draft. Um, and I, I don't like either one of them, really. They might provide some value. They might do some things that will help their team, but I... I don't I don't like the Charlie Jones pick. I love the next pick. It's Chase Brown, a running back out of Illinois. I think you're looking at a situation where Joe Mixon is it's it's unknown what happens to him. You don't know what will take place. You don't know how it will work. Taking Chase Brown is a wonderful insurance policy considering you lost Samaje P. Ryan to the Denver Broncos this offseason. Then in round six, they took Andre. Eosivas, um, a wide receiver out of Princeton. Uh, again, I don't know what they're doing. I don't really know. I'm not sure. I, I think that's a panic pick. And then they take a punter, Brad Robbins. You know, who knows about punters and kickers? I mean, you know, Roberto Aguayo was supposed to be the best tight end, or best kicker ever, and that didn't work out. I'm going to say it's a perfect pick because of when they made it. Then they finalized the draft with DJ Ivy, a defensive back out of Miami. Um, he's a six-foot-tall corner. You know, he, he ran a 4-4-6 at the Combine. I mean, he was a, uh intriguing prospect. I don't know that he's going to necessarily get onto the field, but if he can make this roster, he could contribute on special teams starting off. And for all you know, some of his play reminds me of Mike Hilton, he's just taller. And so if you're able to do that, man, that'll be great. You know, he's a ball hawk, according to what he did in 2022. He got seven interceptions that season, which is a career high for him. So I like the DJ Ivy pick. I think it is a perfect pick, especially if he can make that roster. Uh, that'll be great for them. The Cleveland Browns did not have much to do uh, in the first few rounds um, they did not pick until round three, and then they had two picks in round three, two in round four, two in round five, and then a six-round pick, and they were done. They took Cedric Tillman, a wide receiver out of Tennessee, at number 74 overall. I think that's a perfect pick for them. Deshaun Watson's not a bad quarterback. He needs the tools. They need to give it to him, and that's what they're trying to do. It's a perfect pick. Siaki Ika, 
Defensive tackle out of Baylor, I think, is another perfect pick. Um, this is one of those where Danny Shelton years ago kind of comes to mind, but Siaki Ika is a player that I actually think will be effective. Uh, so that's a perfect pick. Dewan Jones, offensive tackle out of Ohio State. I'm amazed that they were able to do this. They, they got two Ohio State linemen in this draft, and I think it's a perfect pick on both cases. I love Dewan Jones to the Browns, even though I wish he had been able to go to the Steelers because I think we could have had him play right tackle and then have Roderick Jones playing left. That would have been a perfect scenario for us, but I digress. Dewan fell because he basically refused to do anything at his pro day. In round four, they take Isaiah McGuire, defensive end of Missouri. I think it's a perfect pick again. You, you've got to get to the quarterback. You've got to get to the quarterback. And then in round five, they take Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a quarterback out of UCLA. Um, was a little bit of a surprise, but some people have said that they think his style of play is similar, similar, hear that word again, similar to that of Deshaun Watson. And so if you're looking for a backup, he would be a good fit. Cameron Mitchell, a cornerback out of Northwestern, was taken in round five at 142 overall. I think it's a perfect pick for them, and I also think that Luke Whipler is a perfect pick, the center out of Ohio State at number 190. Now we come to our final team, and I need to tell you as we we start that I became a Steelers fan in 2008 during the Super Bowl. I know, I know. But I became a Steelers fan in 2008. 2009 was the first NFL draft that I quote-unquote followed and was interested in looking at and kind of keeping up with. And I remember thinking like, man, we just won the Super Bowl. We're on top of the world. We're going to probably draft some offensive players, and we're going to try to run this back. We did not do that. We took a guy by the name of Ziggy Hood. And... A lot of the NFL drafts from that point forward were met with frustration. And it, I can tell you that on almost every draft until really the last two, there would always be a pick or two where I would be like, what are we doing? Why are we taking this guy? Well, there's a new guy in town. His name's Omar Khan. He's our general manager in Pittsburgh, and he is really giving me some hope for the future. In round one, we traded up to get Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. He's a left tackle. He's a little raw, but I think he's going to be able to play and play well and protect Kenny Pickett. Our greatest sin that we ever committed against Ben Roethlisberger was that we never gave him the offensive line that he truly needed. We waited till too late in his career. We might have won three or four Super Bowls if we could have given Big Ben, young, prime Big Ben, an offensive line. It does not look like we're trying to make that same mistake with Kenny Pickett. We're building that picket fence, and Broderick Jones should be a nice you know, panel of that fence. Then in round two, many people thought this guy was going to be our first-round pick. Uh, many people thought that the next guy would have not been available as well when we drafted both of them. But we come back on the board at 32 overall, and we take Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State. And a lot of people are like, but he can't catch the ball. He can't do this. He can't do that. Neither could Ike Taylor. 
Coincidentally, that's the number that Joey Porter Jr. has selected to wear as number 24 in honor of Uncle Ike. Ike Taylor was never known for being a ball hawk. He was known for being someone that you wouldn't want to throw the ball toward because the guy was covered. If Joey Porter Jr. can do that, he'll be a successful cornerback in the NFL. Then, Keanu Benton, a defensive tackle out of Wisconsin. I like what we're doing on the defensive line. Last year we get DeMarvin Leal. This year we add Keanu Benton. Uh, We still have Cameron Hayward. And we are able now to just kind of see what's going to happen on the defensive side of the ball on the line. And we almost always have 50-ish sacks a year. We didn't have as many this past year because we did lose T.J. Watt for a time and it felt like our defense could not get to the quarterback. Well, we wanted to fix that by adding some pieces that would make it harder for the quarterback to get rid of the ball quickly, adding Joey Porter Jr., and also adding some defensive linemen like DeMarvin Leal and Keanu Benton that can help get there. So I think all three of those are perfect picks. Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., and Keanu Benton. I also think the next two are perfect picks, and I promise you I'm not just being a biased Steelers fan. I promise you. The Steelers made a trade down, and in that trade down, they were able to move down from pick number 80, and they recovered pick 93 and 132 from the Carolina Panthers. And at 93, they took a tight end that's basically another offensive lineman in Darnell Washington. And you've probably heard me say his name throughout these you know, draft recaps. And it's because I think Darnell Washington should have been a first-round pick. I think he should have been a second-round pick. It's criminal that he was almost the 100th selection. Picked at 93, a tight end out of Georgia. He should provide, he should provide a ton of information, a ton of information to teams about the two tight end set because I think that what the Packers did, we've we we are doing too just a year later. So, Darnell Washington I think is a perfect pick, as well as Nick Herbig. They're saying Nick Herbig, a linebacker to Wisconsin, he's going to play outside and inside. We need that, and I love that. And again, I also love the next pick. I'm gonna say it's a perfect pick because it's Corey Trice Jr. It's an interesting selection that we made where I do think had he not had a medical problem pop up, he would have been drafted in round four. He was drafted in round seven, 241 overall. But I will agree and say that I'm not as fond of our last pick. Spencer Anderson, a guard out of Maryland. Um, I think that was a panic pick. I think we could have done better. I think that, you know, Andre Carter was still available. We could have added some more linebacking help there. There were some corners available. There were some safeties available. There there were some people that I thought we could have gone after that I would have been more interested in seeing. And so, overall, I think their draft was was quite perfect. I did not like their very last selection. And if you if the biggest complaint that you can make the biggest complaint that you could make would be the last pick of your team's draft, 251 overall. You know, that's not that bad of a draft. Um, posted this special Saturday episode because next week we're going to be reviewing, as one of the last things we do before I go on vacation, we're going to be reviewing the NFL schedule release. And I'm going to attempt, now that we know when the games are, we know who's dra- who's been drafted, 
my goal is to predict the schedule of each NFL team. Until then, take care. Take care.